we'll jump into that. So you, uh, programmed emotions part two, we'll look at Romans 12, uh, verse two. <clears throat> it says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't try to transform your situation. Renew your mind and it'll automatically be transformed so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable and perfect. And so you can look at your situation right now and think it's the will of God, but it may not be the will of God to prove what is the will of God. You have to renew your mind, because if you renew your mind, you'll be transformed into the will of God. And then the will of God will show up. Okay, but here it proves that that um, that what's up here, what is programmed up here will cause you to be transformed into something positive or negative. You know, last week we talked about how, you know, Abraham, Abraham had this bad pattern of every time he got, I shouldn't say every time, but scripture says it it was multiple times. He got into a situation that was tight. He would start lying because of his fear. So he had an extremely beautiful wife. And so whenever they would go places, in spite of what God had promised him and told him, Okay? And in spite of the vision, he still couldn't overcome the fear. The fear, he believed more in the fear than what God told him. And so when they get in, he got into a tight situation, he would tell his wife, look, now you're so fine that when they see you, they're going to kill you so that they can take you. So when we go into this town, you need to lie and say that I'm your brother. And he kept redo- doing that repeatedly. When he was doing that, he had no idea that he was programming his children that way. So you see Abraham do that. And then you go a few chapters in the future and you see that when Isaac got married, he married fine like his daddy did. OK, you typically gonna do what your parents did. We'll get in that in a moment. He married fine like his daddy did. But when he got into a tight situation, he did the same thing his daddy did. He told his wife, now we're getting ready to go in the city and you're fine. And you're so fine that when these other dudes see how fine you are, the king is going to request for me to be killed. And, and then I'll be left alone and you'll be with the king. So lines say that you're my sister. Okay, so we see this thing of past programming is what causes you to be a particular way. After, you want to add something real quick? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. So the Bible tells us to not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. It also tells us to do not love the world. Do not love the world. Don't love anything in it. Don't love the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Do not love the world. If you love the world, if you love the, this way of doing things, you don't love me. Your love for me is not there because you continue to hang on to the way the world does things. So herein lies the ultimate soul tie. The ultimate soul tie. You were raised a particular way. You did things a particular way. And you hang on to the right to do it the way you were raised. To do it the way you're used to doing it. To do it the way you only know how to do it. But you don't have that right to hang on to that because you're loving the world. You're loving the lust of the flesh. You're feeling the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You're hanging on to a right that you don't have a right to hang on to. You don't have a right to hang on worldly ways, worldly thinking, worldly operating with your finances, your marriage, your children, your career, your body, your health. You don't have a right. What you have a right to do, however, is to walk in your authority, to walk in the power that God has given you and to let go of the devil way, devil's way of doing things. You have a right to get into the word and to become the woman that God has called you to be. You have a right to walk in healing. You have a right to walk in your finances. You have a right to walk in peace. You You don't have a right to walk in rebellion. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. 
You are on the devil's territory. You don't have a right to walk in rebellion. You have a right to walk in the peace of God and obedience of God, the submission of God, humility of God, and receiving all that God has for you. So you have to not be conformed to this world. You can't love the things of the world. Everything that's in it, every, every way that it operates, is just oppo- it opposes God. Amen, amen. I, uh, you know, to, to backtrack for a moment, to show you um, how serious this is in every single area. We preached last Sunday. And I mean, um, um, for the married couples in here, how many of you that are married your wife drives the the wife drives and the husband is in the passenger seat sometimes. Wave your hand. Okay. Now I'm gonna show you how deep this is. After we preached this about past programming last Sunday, there was a um, uh, one of the members of the church who uh, is actually on our staff. Um, him and his wife, they have children, and uh, after service was over, they were getting ready to leave, and she was headed toward the passenger side. And and he said, "No, I need you. To, I need you to drive." And and I uh, that makes me so uncomfortable. Do you know? I'm gonna show you how deep this is. Do you know that when I see a woman driving her husband, I have to battle thoughts of maybe he's not a good husband. Let me explain why. We've been married for 17 years. 19. Jesus on the main line. <laughs> 19 years, I 19. Keep messing up. Seems like the years just keep jumping by. Seems like a month goes by and it's two years. 19. All those blessings, brother. All those blessings. Yes, the time is when it's, when it's fun, it goes by fast. Hey, when it's terrible, it... never mind. Seems like an eternity, right? Yes, yeah, real. So, but we've been married for 19 years. And she has driven me five times in 19 years. And three of those times were in this last year. Yes. And that's only because we were running late and I had to finish my message and I just begged her to drive. Okay, two, one time she had to drive, so that one doesn't count because I dislocated my leg in a volleyball game. Um, another time we were headed from out of town and I was so tired I thought I was going to crash. So I asked her to drive and that lasted 20 minutes and then I took back over. Let me tell you why I'm that way. Okay, my sister is here and she will tell you that the entire time that we were in our house, we never once saw my mom drive my father. Not one single time. I don't think it was one single time. Did you ever see it? No, not once. So when my mom and my dad were together or they were together as a family, what I always saw and what I'm being programmed with is a man is supposed to drive a woman. See that? So I never, not one single time did my mom drive when we were together. It was my dad who got the steering wheel. My mom was in the passenger side. Not one time did I ever see her drive. So now, to this day, I can't let her drive. And she, she appreciates it. <laughs> Amen, brother. Yeah. And you know what I mean by I can't let her drive? It makes me extremely uncomfortable for me to be in the passenger seat. And her to be in the driver's seat. Jerry said he's. And the you same know, way. and I never, and I never knew that. Mm-hmm. I just always thought maybe he didn't like my driving. So that's why he doesn't want me to drive. Yo, but but it, yeah, it was no, it wasn't that. <laughs> but I was about to say yeah, it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It's just that well, it wasn't a way. Not her personal driving, but I was uncomfortable with her being in the driver's seat. You know why? Because everything that I saw in my household, I'm being programmed with, and and my emotions become comfortable. And they become hardened with 
what is normal programming is you see this I always we we'll talk about this in a moment on a moment you know uh, uh, you, you 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 respond to video a hundred times more than you respond to audio so if you like for our example our church you know you see the response we get by audio when we switch over to video it's a thousand times greater so I saw this and so now not only am I uncomfortable see you gotta remember until I get developed I think that that's what a good man does. See what I mean? I, I, because of programming. Well, a good man, because I believe my dad was a good man, so a good man never lets his wife drive. And a bad man is one who have his wife driving him around like limo. So, so for her to drive, it makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I realized how deep it was when this man asked his wife to drive. She said, okay, cool. And I had a problem with it. Of course, I didn't say anything, you know, and with a black guy, you don't tell me what to do in my own household, you know, but I had a problem with it. And, I had to, and, and it was right then when the Holy Spirit said past programming. Do you see how deep this goes? Now, if my past programming makes it uncomfortable for me to look at another couple and the man is in the passenger seat and the wife is in the driver's seat, you can really, really see how we've been tearing up some stuff and doing this unconsciously because of past programming. Now, it was honorable for my dad to drive my mom around. But, but because of that programming, I think that that's normal. I grew up thinking that it's at, remember, I'm comfortable with that. My emotions are programmed with that. And so now, anything outside of that is gonna take me outside of that program, and now I'm uncomfortable. Nothing wrong with a man being in the passenger seat, you know? Some women love to drive. Some women can drive much better than their husbands. How many know that's irrelevant? The point is, is that my past programming causes me to look at other people a particular way and judge it wrong. Now, if that's when it comes to driving, what about when it comes to relationships? See? So you can see how, whew. <laughs> I wish I had known this years ago. So when I was younger, my mom... My mom was a very attractive, very shapely woman, and she took great pride in her appearance. You would not catch my mother out at the market without her makeup on, her hair done, her hair. You just would not, you would not see her with a shower cap on her head, a scarf, rollers. It was just not going to happen. It was just not house shoes, pajamas. It just was not going to happen. I mean, she was... I mean, she went too far with it where she would weigh the girls and make sure our weight was a certain amount. I mean, she went too far. But it was indoctrinated in us to look good, to be in shape, to keep yourself together, to look the part, be clean, be sexy, look great, do your hair, brush your teeth, wash, get the crust out. I mean, it's indoctrinated in you to look a particular way because this is, how, this is what's going to help you, right? Single mom, she's using what she had to get what she needed because she's trying to take care of her family. That was her way. Was it right? I'm not saying it was right. I'm saying that was her way. So I'm coming up, so okay, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm indoctrinated with. So I get saved, I don't let go of these things. I've got a husband, okay, I've had kid after kid after kid. Okay, I still gotta get to the gym. If I got to be there for three or four, two, three, whatever it takes, no excuses. Because this is what I grew up with. So whether it was right or wrong, it just stayed with me. Does he benefit? Yes, he benefits. But did it, was it a detriment to me? Yes, it was. Early on, before salvation, yes, it was a detriment back then. Now it works great when it comes to my husband because that's what he likes and that's what pleases him. That's what makes him happy. But there are things, positive things in your past and negative things in your past that some things you can hang on to and others you have got to let, let go. go. You got to let go. 
And you got to you, you see now that this is this teaching is not laying hands on people and now you delivered. Oh, no, this is this is I'm getting ready to go through a great science class and mathematical class and go back into my past and analyze and pray. Lord, I need you to show me. You got to look at every and guess what? You got to start with your childhood. And for some of us, that's going to be painful. Okay, and, you know, I'll, I'll give you another simple example, you know, and this is going to make some of you a little squirmish, but you'll be all right. My sister and I were talking about it this morning about how, you know, we really did come from a great family. So my father was like this and all of his he had four brothers and two sisters or five brothers and two sisters. He had he had sisters and brothers, four brothers, and two sisters. So every time we went and visit our relatives, it was like this. So you would not walk. And this is when we were kids. You would not walk in our house and see food on the walls, food stuck on the floor. You would not walk in the bathroom and, and nobody has taken a shower, but it's foggy because the, the mirror is that dirty. Okay, I know I'm making you look like, oh Lord, I'm going to the car wash after service today. Um, so, so we grew up seeing a household that was clean, 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 clean vacuuming every day, washing the dishes every day. The food is not going to sit on the wall for a few weeks and then we have a cleanup day. If there's food on the wall, it's coming off that day. And you're going to get a rebuke about why you were too sloppy and the food ended up on the wall. So I see clean, clean, clean. So guess what? I'm being programmed with what? Clean. So when I walk into an arena and it's not, y'all see me sometimes around before service. You see me doing what? Picking up a little piece of paper off the floor. You see me doing that? Past programming. Because anything that's out of order and not clean, it takes me out of my comfort zone. Now, if you grew up in your household and it was the opposite and it was disarray and it was dirty and it was nasty and it was stuff on the mirrors and it was food on the floor and all the time, guess what? You are comfortable with. And it makes you extremely agitated and uncomfortable to have to clean up. That's why. And you only do it when the house looks like, you know, the back of the alley. Then you're like, okay, let me go and do this because, you know, and you know what we love to do? We love to do it when some relatives are coming over. Then it hits us. And then some people, I've been over people's houses and they don't even care. President of the United States said, I'm coming by for a visit. Come on. (laughs) My hair ain't done and we ain't cleaned up in about six months, but we keep it real. No, no. No, you keep it real. You keep it real dirty. Okay, so, but I'm just letting you know that, see, now this is, and so this is what happens. So now what happens is, watch this. You have a man, let's say that he grows up in an environment where nobody ever cleaned up. And, and what I mean by nobody cleaned up, there are two ways that you do this. You, there's the one way, which is 90% of the time the house has, the carpet is vacuumed. There's not trash on the floor. You clean the mirrors on a regular basis. When you cook, you clean the food off the counter. I mean, it looks like you just walked into an apartment or walk into a place. And then 10% of the time is toe up. Then you have the other side, which is 90% of the time is toe up. And then 10% of the time is clean. And so um, one of the things, uh, you remember how we, you know, we told you that we moved into this apartment when our previous home. So the reason why the home sold so fast is we had been in a home for how long? Uh, five and a half years. And the guy had just built it and he took a chance on his family. Okay, um, he, he said, I'd take a chance on this African family that was from Detroit with, with six kids. And I just built this house and I'm new at this. And I'm going to let y'all move into this house and rent it. Okay, let me tell you about clean. Okay, after a little bit of time went past, I guess he got the feeling I need to go check on my house. 
So he sent one of his realtor friends over there to go check out the house because he called us. He said, you know, thinking about selling the house and everything, just want to come check it out. That was him spying on us. He came check out the house and the woman told him, she said, this house is immaculate. It looks like it's never been lived in. So guess what he told us? Oh, you know what? I'm not. Then he changed his mind all of a sudden about the spirit. You know what? I'm not going to sell that house. I'm going to just go ahead and let y'all just stay there, you know, a couple more times. And then after that, he lowered the rent twice without us asking. When the economy went bad, he called us and said, I'm lowering the rent. Wonderful. I don't mean by ten dollars. I'm talking about a couple hundred. Okay. Then he called us back again. Economy is even worse. I'm going to lower the rent again. Thank you. Then let me know when you want to pay. Go back to the regular amount. My integrity had to really kick in for that because, you know, that day might not have, man, we broke, man, we broke, you know. We don't believe in that old negative confession stuff, so I got to tell the truth. So, but when, uh, when he asked us, you going to stay in the house or move, buy the house or move? Well, we're our kids in Kennesaw, we in Austell, so we probably won't. He said, okay, I'll put it up for sale. And um, he said it'll probably take about five months before it even begins to close, okay. And a uh, person came to view the house. And uh, he brought that, uh, that realtor lady or something, her and her husband. When she, yeah, and when she found out that it was six kids in this house with, with this married couple, she didn't even bring her camera. You, you can tell when they walk in the driveway, we're about to see an illustrious, nasty show right up in this piece up in here today. She had this conventional mind. They came in that house, and they were just sitting there walking through the house. They were walking in slow motion. They could not believe that this house looked exactly the same as when we first moved in. Yeah, <laughs> carpet, walls. Everything, okay? And, um, and when we see it, when somebody spills something on the carpet, we don't leave it there for months, okay? You know what we do? Clean it up right in. Got wonderful products to keep your carpet looking brand new for 10 years. Could have saved you some money, okay? So they left, and she called my wife right back. She said, can I please come back and bring my camera? <laughs> she didn't bring it thinking it was going to be raggedy. So she came back, and she put that thing up. The house was sold and gone, and we had to move out in 10 days. The guy saw it, boom. Nope, that's it. Immaculate, bam. Okay. But see, clean. 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 Now, everybody loves clean. Nobody really loves dirty. It's just that dirty is associated with laziness, and clean is associated with discipline. Ooh, this is not going the right way. Jesus, let me come back behind here. Are you trying to do some stuff behind my head, making me say stuff like a puppet or something? Okay. So I'm just giving you an example of how this past programming works. Well, let me give you another example of a married couple I talked to, the, the wife. She said that her mother was the most brilliant, intelligent, smartest woman she has ever met. Her mother is brilliant, has lots of degrees, plenty of education, and that's what her mother valued, education and going to school and advancing her career. She really should care too much about the house. It'll get done when it get done. Dishes in there, you know, carpet needs to be. It'll get done when it get done. Right now, I'm getting these, getting these books done, getting these assignments done, so I can advance my career. And she's a brilliant one. She loves her mom, great mom, most brilliant woman she knows. She said, but as a result of that environment, she gets married, and what does she do? Oh, the dishes, it's just the two of us. We can leave in there a few days. I don't turn the dishwasher on. I mean, just the two of us, just a couple dishes here and there. I don't have to do it. I don't need to vacuum. It can, it can be a few days driving her husband insane, Drive, I mean, upset. Like, please, can you do something? Making him angry because he's not, he wasn't used to growing up in an environment like that. So here now they're bumping heads, bumping heads, bumping heads. And all he asked her to do was make an adjustment. So here it is, ladies. One small adjustment. Not a big deal, right? But in our own minds, I don't know what happens. It's like that rebellion rises up. 
That's not the way I was raised. That's not the way I do it. What's wrong with it being there for two or three days? Instead of calming all that down and just said, sure, babe, no problem. Four dishes, five dishes, seven dishes. I'll go in there and take care of it. I mean, one way you end up fighting, 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 bumping heads over nothing. The other way you have peace in your home. You grow closer because he asks you to make an adjustment and you make the adjustment. You feel good about yourself because you've pleased him. He feels good about you because, okay, I can talk to my wife. I can approach her about some things and she'll gladly make those minor adjustments. They're not big deals. not going to make or break the marriage. Nobody's getting a divorce. But those little things, the Bible says the little things, the little foxes spoil the vine. So you have all these many, many little things that build up over time. And when, you, when your husband disconnects, you wonder why. What happened? Because over time, like when the rainwater comes down on a mountain and erodes the mountain, over time you're chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away because you won't make the adjustments. And it goes on the man's side as well. The wife asks you, can you please shave? Can you take the trash out? I mean, little things. Can you please pick up your socks? Don't throw your socks. Can you just please do X, Y, Z? And you think, well, this is my house. I worked all day. So when you make these declarations and you refuse to make those adjustments, you cause problems in your marriage. And there are little bitty things that you can fix. And with us having such a large family, you know, six kids, you know, we can't afford to do that. And there are times when my wife will cook and she'll tell me, she said, Otha, I can't even do it today. You know, now now we have six slaves, so we don't have to do anything. You know, it's a wonderful part about them getting older. You know. You, know, you got six servants in our house now get in there and do them dishes. Yes, sir, master. You know, but, but before when they were smaller, she would be like, I just, I, would, I wouldn't do it. And so, so we're not talking about that. Her, she, her, this is an issue of you're tired, not lazy. You're tired. And so nine times out of ten when she would say that, guess who would go in there and wash the dishes? You know, because it's about serving one another. Let's look at John. John and, and Jesus said this, John five nineteen. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. This includes a daughter, unless it is something he sees the father doing, not hears the father doing, sees the father doing for whatever the father does. These things, the son also does in like manner. So you are programmed with what you saw, not what you were told. You are doing what was seen and not what was being said. Okay, you may doubt what you hear, but no one doubts what he sees. Okay, I can tell you right now, it's two kangaroos out there having a fight in the middle of the parking lot. How many of you gonna pretty much kind of say, "See, I mean, how you can doubt that?" Okay, where you instantly? Are you sure you meant kangaroo? Are you sure that where did the kangaroos come from? Was it a bus going by and they jumped off the bus or something? Kangaroos fighting, boom, boom. How many of you go out there in the parking lot and you see? two kangaroos fighting, there's not going to be any doubt. You're just wondering, how in the world did this happen? It's not an issue of it not happening. Why? Because you respond. You can doubt what you hear, but you generally do not doubt what you see. So to go back to, I don't know why we're on this. We're on a marriage tip today. Last week it was a single tip. Okay, watch this. I got four daughters and two sons. They get up. Okay, now we have to program it. They get up and they go to the bathroom in the morning. And when they go to the mirror to brush their teeth and wash their face, they see a mirror that is completely dirty programmed. Okay, they get up the next day, go back to that mirror, and that mirror is dirty with toothpaste. And all y'all know, sitting up pretending like y'all just, okay, and boom, programmed. And the more that they see that, the more they are being programmed 
to get comfortable, comfortable with a dirty mirror. They become comfortable with it at ease. Their emotions begin to lock in. So now when that individual gets married and let's say, hey, babe, would you mind cleaning the mirror? It's a problem because now they're comfortable. And they learn that because the parents didn't do it and the parents didn't teach the children. Woo, Jesus, how many of you know we in trouble? But the Lord can bring us out of our troubles overnight. So Jesus said that. He said the son, think about what he said, can do nothing but what he sees the person in the household do, whether it's male or female. They can do nothing. Your children are going to be products of you. And you right now are a product of that father, that mother, or that uncle, or that grandmother. Or if you raised yourself, you are a product of the people that you interacted with. Your cousins, what you thought was normal. And then we haven't even added all of the other experiences that come with this. And now, once again, we're, not, we're sharing this with you for the purpose of showing you why... You can really hardly find somebody that's happy in their relationship. Really? Really? And it's because of this. It's not because people are evil. It's not because, you know what? It's not because people are trying to, give you, uh, trying to give you a hard time. It's because we're programmed this way. You know, one of the biggest things that my wife gets is, you know, I get it on the men's side, she gets it on the woman's side. One of the biggest things that my wife gets is women who are saying, okay, I was never told that all I had to do was just make a small adjustments, you know, for my husband. I just... I fought him. He asked me to change my hairstyle, and I took it personal. Yeah, your hairstyle is not you. It's the reason why they call it style, something that can be changed. Now, if your husband wake up one morning and say, you know what? I don't like your nose. Well, now we got an issue because I was born with this nose. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but, but clothes can change. You know, we constantly, uh, this morning, okay, I put on, I got on a pair of gym shoes, okay, and, and I put one pair on the left, one gym shoe on the left foot, another gym shoe on the right foot. I asked my wife, I said, which one? She said, the one on the left. You don't notice. I, I got a confirmation. I asked two of my daughters, and they said the same thing. So, so. But you find yourself where you are right now in life, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, however old you are. And you look back on your life, your childhood, your teenage years, your young adult years, your past marriage, your remarriage, your children, all of your experiences. And you might even feel sorrowful because of what you weren't taught, what you didn't, what you weren't given, what you weren't told during that time. But just like my husband can't take credit for the way he was raised and the households he was raised in, I can't take blame for mine. And neither can you. You cannot take blame. You can't take responsibility for what was done to you, what was not told you, what was not taught. You can't take blame for that. Nor can you take credit for this great, wonderful upbringing you may have had. You can't take, that was not your doing. You were born into it. So like you can't take credit for it. You can't take blame for it. You got to look at it for what it was, release it and let it go because the Lord has given you grace. He has given you mercy. He has given you his word. He has given you wisdom. He's given you revelation. So you then can take the personal responsibility to make those changes in your own life and in your own heart and then teach those things to your children and if you don't have children whatever woman man boy girl child teenager you can then share your knowledge and your wisdom with them that way you can keep this thing going on like baby these are my mistakes yeah i acted a fool i tore my marriage up i'm devastated but now i have revelation i made a mistake i won't ever do i may not ever remarry i may 
That's beside the point. The point is, don't make the same mistakes I made. Because of my selfish pride, because of my, my rebellion, my foolishness, my control, my, manip my manipulative, a manipulative attitude, my Jezebel spirit, because of that, I drove that man crazy. He left me because of me, not because he was ready. He left me because of me, because I refused to change. The woman left because I was ready. Alcoholism, drug abuse would not get help. She stayed as long as she could, cried, pleaded, and begged. And one day she said, I can't take it anymore. Every person has a different tolerance level of what they will and will not do, what they can and cannot take. And so you can't blame the person for leaving because from whatever their past programming was, that was their limit. I'm done. I'm out. I'm gone. But you are here today to get the word and know that God's grace is sufficient. Wherever you are right now, if you will humble yourself and say, Daddy, I'm sorry, I did not know. Please help me fix it. He will help you change it. But you have to come to a place of humility and recognize that, man, I really was messed up. Yeah. And I really made some bad decisions, and I really want to fix this and get this right, not just for me, but for those that I will come in contact with. And stop, you know, and stop judging people because they jump out of a situation that you think you would stay in. Yeah. Key word is think. How many know we are masters right, right. at talking about what we would do right. if we were in the situation? That's right. That's right. And, and know, you know, one, one of the, some of the worst things that I've heard is people who talk about what they would have done if they were Adam. You would have ate the fruit quicker than he did. You cracked me up rebuking people. I would have never turned my back on Jesus. You turned your back on him yesterday. Leave Judas alone. Man, people can be so doggone judgmental. Man, I'm telling you, true maturity is when you just stop talking about everybody. You're like, Lord, just keep me. I tell my, my people telling me about what's going on at this church and that church. I'm like, wonderful. I'm just trying to keep my ship on the water. Please just yeah. help us. Help us, Jesus. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't, because all of us, and see what happens is, is all we do is we judge the person's decision. God does not judge a person's decision. He judges their heart based on past programming. He judges the past based on the programming. God knows, you know, I can sit up here, you know, people talk about, oh, your kids are so anointed. All my kids, wonderful. My kids are anointed because of the parents. If you put my children, all six of them, in a different environment, they'll be straight up heathen. Matter of fact, I have a couple in a different environment, Lady Gaga's. But you That's know what? what? But even in that, y'all, even in that, we can't take credit for everything those exactly. children yes. have become. Yes, we might be great parents, we follow the word, we've made mistakes, fixed mistakes, whatever, but we can't even take credit for all that those children are and all that they are becoming because God made them that way. God wired those babies. He gave them a destiny and a purpose and a plan. So even though we can take some credit for stewarding what he's given us, we cannot take all the credit. I will not take the Father's glory because he is the one that brought those babies here. And even I marvel. I sit back and I marvel at those children. Like, Lord, these are my babies? I marvel because I know all that they are are not all because of me. I mean, I still struggle with some things. And I still have to fight some things and overcome some things. I have to apologize to my children. I have to ask for their forgiveness. It's not your fault. It's me. And they say, it's okay, mommy, we love you. And they move on. So even we cannot take all the credit. I will not do it. And, be, you know, the best thing you can do, you know, we get frustrated because you can't, you know, provide for your children at Christmas time. And, and you can't, you know, but no, 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 no child went on Oprah in the future when they were adult and complained about what they didn't get at Christmas. Yeah. That's right. 
You know, I mean, we, you know, that naturally because you love, you want to give. When you love, you give, okay? When you don't love, you hold back, you know? But you want to give, you want to be a blessing and all those different types of things, you know? But be very, very careful about how you judge yourself. One of the most powerful videos that I saw, it was on Facebook. Man, we ain't even gotten to a quarter of our message. That's all right, we're going to go with the flow. One of the most powerful messages, and I've shared this before, is they took a group of mothers and interviewed each one. And they said, tell us what type of mother you think you are. And guess what all of the mothers naturally did? They talked about all of the negative things. Well, I'm not this, and I'm not that, and, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. I'm not this, and I'm not that. I wish I was doing this better. I wish I was doing that better. I wish I could buy this. I wish I could buy that. So then they brought the, the children of those mothers in and interviewed the children. Tell us about your mother. Not one thing, negative thing was said. All the children talked about was, my mommy does this, and she does that. She does this, and she does that. And she does this, and she does that. So the best thing that you can do for your children is be the best person that you can be. Some of us are able to provide financially more for our children. Others ain't got nothing to do with them being raised right. The best thing you can do for your children, if they're being programmed by you, by what they see, the son or the daughter can do nothing except what they see you do. So they need to see you be excellent. They need to see you, like my wife says, apologize. They need to see you do something wrong and then you come back and correct it. They need to see you say, you know what, y'all? I was acting a fool all these years. I'm getting myself together. That's the best thing you can do for your child. That was happening with my mom, 48 years old. Now she gets saved. And all of her adult children are like, this is not the same woman. This is is not her. Wherever that woman was, I don't don't know where she was. this, This woman right here. That's why when I first met her mom, she looked like an angel. So when they told me what she used to do, I was like, y'all lying. You lying. This is a woman. Y'all are sitting up here lying. You know, like the grandmama said, you are lying. The truth ain't in you. Ain't no way in the world this woman did. All of the stuff y'all said she did, I could not see it because she made that about face change. Because she made that about face change and her dad made that about face change. It did not matter because her parents were just, you can, whatever negative thing you can come up, they might have been close to that, just to the extreme. But because they changed, she made the decision to come to Christ because when her husband switched from all of his gangsterism, drug dealing. My dad. Who did I say? My husband. Oh. <laughs> My husband is a minute. <laughs> when he switched, she talked about how she had seen, I mean, just, I mean, she saw her father shoot someone. Okay. She, seen all of this. So when the Lord changed him and how, just as hard as he was for the devil, that's, he was even harder for Christ. I mean, a dude, was he walk in the room, be like, something on this man. That man can preach up a storm. Woo, God, that man can preach. And, and, but when she saw him change, it did not matter the 40-some years he had been wrong. Didn't matter. What mattered is that the child saw the change. And she said, this is how she became a Christian. Lord, if you change this evil, violent man into this glorious thing here, what could you do with my life if I gave it to you at an early age? And that's how she became a Christian. And he died seven, day, seven years later. He mm-hmm. died. He went on to be with the Lord. Yeah. In fact, it'll be 20 years on the 29th. He, he went on to be with the Lord. And I, I, would, I would sometimes feel bad that my father was not there for me when I was a child. And I grew up, and I'm looking for love and can't find it, and my daddy wasn't there and got a crazy, evil stepfather and blah, blah, blah. But then I began to realize the man that was not there when I was a child, I had an amazing man when I was an adult. I mean, he just taught me so much in those seven years. I mean, way more than I could have ever imagined in the years that I missed him. 
So yeah, there were things that I missed, I thought, and that were very painful to, to confront and to deal with, but I gained so much in those seven years, and so you cannot look back on your life with regret. You can't change a thing. You can't change anything. What has happened has happened, and you really do have to look at it and say, okay, what lessons did I learn? What can I even learn now? And I need to move on, look into the word and look into my future and move on to be the better woman and the better man that God has called me to be. And, and you know, and this, to add to this, this is what's wrong with reality TV. This is what's wrong with watching it. Okay, I don't even, I don't watch it. Even when a commercial comes on, I turn my head because it's, it's all trash. And it's scripted. On, on top of it being trash, it's scripted trash, you know. And I know some of you like that, but I'm telling you, you, you got your past programming in you that is unconscious, that makes you do stuff that you don't even know why you do it. You don't even know why you're lazy. It's because of past programming. You don't know why you can't move forward. It's because of past programming. You don't know why every place you go, you're always late. It's because of past programming. You don't know why you got to clean up all day long every day. It's because of past programming. Then you add another element called reality TV, watching people get paid to act a fool. And you're looking at this for an hour thinking, I'll be all right. No, you won't. Because whatever goes in your eyes and whatever goes in your ears, you're being programmed into what you're looking at or listening to. These things are going into your heart. And the Bible says for you to guard your heart because out of your heart flows everything. Murder, lust, deceit, pride, jealousy, joy, love, forgiveness. It all flows out of your heart. So whatever you're putting in it, when you are squeezed, is going to come out. Yeah, so you think, it's just 30 minutes TV. I'm tired. I had a long day. It's just, it's just entertainment. Watch Sesame Street. It's just, and then you say, it's okay. And you reason with yourself. So then when your spouse says, hey, you know what? I don't think I really want you to watch it. I don't really think that's good for you. And you don't want to, and you, you, you get upset. Well, it's, it's, I'm tired. I've worked all day. It's just a little TV. I want to watch this show. Rather than considering what he said, like, you know what? Maybe he's right. I'm going to go ahead and turn the TV off. No, instead, you rebel. You're angry because I'm my own woman. You're not my daddy. I can watch what I want to watch on TV. This is my TV. This is my life. It's my, this is my, I, can, I can do what I want to do. I don't need you to tell me what I can watch. I don't need no daddy. You're my husband. Well, he's higher than your daddy. Your husband's high, because now you're married, and this is who you're submitted to, and this is who you've become one with. Now he's higher than your dad. So be careful. So, so he's not out for your bad. He's out for your good. He wants you to develop as a woman, or she wants you to develop as a man, and he wants you to go higher. And so you don't realize that those five Cokes a day, slowly but surely, are adding on more calories. Slowly but surely, adding on more calories. You think, oh, it's okay. It's just Coke. This is what I like to drink. The caffeine keeps me going. No big deal. And we're telling you, no five coasts a day is really not good. You really should be drinking water. It's not good for your kidneys. It's not good for your skin. It's not good for your brain function. It's not. And so 30 days later, you wonder why. Now you've gained weight. You can't function. You can't focus. Your brain can't operate correctly because you've got no water. You have five cokes a day. Same way with reality TV. You think it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. No, she just stopped on me. Yeah, you go on. <laughs> That's funny. No, it's, I mean, I, I mean, it's very, like she said, I mean, the same way that you don't end up with diabetes overnight. You're not going to go to bed tonight and then tomorrow, oh, I got diabetes. No, it was because you kept doing something over a period of time that was not right that you thought was okay. 
And that's how that's what reality TV is. It's just much worse because you're already if you listen to it, it's going to affect you. If you watch it, it's going to affect you even more. You got double duty. You got it coming in both ways and you, it gets in you and it's going to make you look at your spouse different. It's going to make you look at your children different. If you're single, it's going to make you date different because you're programming yourself with stupidity. Why people think it's okay to watch people fail is beyond me. I don't watch people who fail. I don't hang around people who fail. I sure enough don't listen to people who fail. And I'm sure not going to be entertained by people who are failures. Now, if you want to do that, you be my guest. I'm trying to, how many of y'all trying to go to the top? Then you got to listen to people that's at the top. Okay. And in in order for you to accomplish something, sometimes you got to divorce this whole planet. Girl, you going? No, I'm not going nowhere. Matter of fact, don't call me the next six months. Matter of fact, who are you? Why are you in my phone number? My wife tell you, sometimes I delete phone numbers from church folk by mistake. I go to my phone every two, three months. Let me see who needs to be on a delete list. Delete. And I get to deleting so fast, I delete one of y'all by accident. Jared can send me a text. Hey, man, who is this? It's Jared. Oh, I'm sorry. I deleted your number two months ago. Because I go fast, man. I got to get mad. Man, you don't need. Quit. You don't. Look, you need only. Never mind. Let's keep on going. We need. We ain't even got, we ain't even started the message, so we're going to just keep on going to a certain time here. Hey, all right. To help you understand past programming, how it affects you, we're going to give you a couple of scenarios. Um, first scenario is, let's, 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 let's start the first scenarios with both, if you lived in the house with both, both parents. We're going to do two scenarios. One where you lived in the house with both parents, and one where you lived in the house with a single parent. Okay. Um, two things that you need to remember because of past programming. And what is, and that is, uh, um, whatever, the, whatever the father is in that household, the daughter is, even if it's violent, the daughter is going to begin to believe that this is how normal men operate. So if you grew up in a household where men are violent, uh, where the father was violent, then your emotions will actually get accustomed to it. You will begin to believe that this is how men are. Then you will begin to attract that type of man into your life. Because generally, as a rule of thumb, generally, not always, generally, a woman is going to attract someone and marry someone similar to her father. And she is going to treat her husband the way her mother treated her father. And generally, as a rule of thumb, A man is going to marry someone similar to his mother, generally. And we're talking about before you reprogram yourself. And generally is going to treat his wife like his father treated the... I mean, you know, that can be good. That can be bad. Unfortunately, most cases it's bad. And whatever is there is what is normal. So that's why... I, all I, I know now to ask certain questions. Now, hopefully, if, how many know when you know better, you do better? I got to put, keep putting these disclaimers out here so y'all don't faint. Okay? But, but if, 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 a, if a husband, if a man is married to a wife, married to a woman, their family unit, and they have two cars, I'm going to look at back at the gray wall, and they have two cars, and one is newer, and one is older, how many you know that the woman should be driving the newer vehicle? Some brothers don't get that. This is my car. You know, this is my car. And the reason why they don't I get it, the reason why they don't get it is because they saw their father do the same thing to their mother. 
I know how to ask questions when I got these issues and this is what's going on is that they, the, the mom was treated that way. And because what was amazing to me as a counselor when I started counseling years ago was how someone, and some of you can raise your hand, how someone can see negativity in their house growing up and hate that negativity, fight against that negativity, and the moment they get in a relationship, re- reproduce the same thing that they hate. Yeah, we I'm talked about that, that last week. We talked about that last Cause week. Because it's programming. It's programming. If you program that way, now you knew it was wrong, but once again, it did not matter that you knew it was wrong. You saw it and you heard it and you saw and heard nothing else that got in you as programming locks itself in like stone. Now, when you get in the same scenario as what you saw, that's what comes out. And that's why the Bible talks so much about renew your mind so that you can be transformed into something else. Not by you cannot willpower. do this without willpower. Not Will, willpower. Man, you be sitting up there. You, you can do all that you want to. I don't you know where this say, stuff comes man, from. Man, man, I recognize, you know, I recognize this about myself. I'm really lazy. I recognize that. Okay, great. You recognize it. You've admitted it. But until you get up and do something and make some changes and hold yourself accountable to somebody in your household, your children, your spouse, your sister, your cousin, your roommate, until you hold yourself accountable to someone and start making those changes, you're going to look up 20 years later and still be doing the same thing. So it's not enough. to. It's great. But it's not enough. You can't just stop there. You have to go beyond that point. And, and I've got a couple of things here. Let me add this, too. This is very important. Holy Spirit just gave it. I mean, some stuff you know, but you need to be reminded of. And that is, adult-wise, women need an emotional fix. Men need a physical fix. So what happens is, is that, is that, particularly in the area of women, you know, this is the reason why if I leave the house, okay, as soon as I say, okay, I'm getting ready to leave, if my sons hear me and in the back room, guess what they say? All right, see you later, dad. See ya. Guess who comes running out the room to give daddy a hug? The girls. You know why? Because they need an emotional fix. And because they've seen their mother do it. Yeah. So, So women are programmed to need an emotional fix. So what happens is, is that now you take the father out the household. They never get an emotional fix from a man. So when they get out here on the street, they replace it with a physical fix. Because out here on the street, a man is pretty much going to give you an emotional fix so that he can get a physical fix. <laughs> so see how this all messed up? This is all messed up. And what makes it messed up is you're being programmed this way and you don't even know it. So now, because the girl never experienced love at home from a father, pure love, she doesn't even know what love really feels like. She doesn't even know the definition of love because nobody explained it to her. All she equates love is, well, my daddy wasn't even there, or he was there and was never interested in me, but this boy is interested in me, so he must love me. Watch this. Never told by the daddy that he loved you because he wasn't there. So the first time a boy tells you he loves you, oh my God, you think this is love. So because you think it's love, you're willing to do anything that this boy wants you to do. Then if the father is not there, then the boy, he doesn't even know how to demonstrate love to a woman. But he does know that he has physical needs. So the only thing he looks for is a woman to satisfy his physical needs. And that's why if you don't carry yourself as a, let me tell you something. You want the quickest way for a woman, because I, I, I focus on the men, but I teach the woman how to protect themselves. 
The quickest way, ladies, for you to win in life, the quickest way is for you to keep your legs closed until you get one of these. No. And you have to alter. Hold up. Thank you. And you have to alter. Like, take it further, brother. You need that license. You need that paper. <laughs> because I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I've seen. I've seen men give a woman a ring, get engaged, then they had sex, and then he left. Because he didn't have a problem spending $2,000 to get you and then leave you. $2 to the pawn shop. Because that's what they do to prostitutes. Mm-hmm. See? So I'm just telling you that, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh. <laughs> I know a guy. He's a Christian. How many know that there's some obnoxious Christians? Okay, keep your head straight. Okay. This dude, if you look up the word obnoxious, his picture is there. Okay. He will argue you. He's rude. You know what I'm saying? He's loud. Loud. I didn't even mention his name. She must know who I'm talking about. He's loud. Okay, boom. <laughs> All that. He just, bam. I mean, he just... Boom. I mean, just y'all know what I'm saying. So he started dating this girl and now he's married to her. And for this girl, beautiful girl, nice, sweet. And all the time he walking around the house like Godzilla. She's just there like he is just the most wonderful man in the world. And now she go visit him. OK, when I, my tolerance level was up and I should be like, how is it? How is it that she? I don't even blown away. What does she see in him? And why is she with him? And, and everybody say programming. programming. I was baffled all the time. On why is it? What is it? Why does she hang around this dude? She can have another guy that looks better. Than, I'm going through all of this until <laughs> I met her daddy. And then I realized that the guy she married exact was a clone and exact. exact composite of her daddy. So much so, the first time I met her daddy, we got into an argument. <laughs> I don't get in arguments with people I know for 20 years, let alone somebody I met the first day. Arguing me about abortion. Tomorrow, it's nothing but a germ. I said, okay, whatever, dude. Okay, so that's the point that I'm making is, you see what I mean by programming? Her father was like that, rude, obnoxious. She learned to deal with it. She became comfortable with it. So she attracted the same type of dude into her life because she thought that's what was normal. And so we're just throwing a couple of things out here because we're trying to throw a few examples to show you why you need to start. You need to go home and say, (laughs) get to pull out them videotapes of birthday parties, get to thinking about, oh, man. And, and, And watch this. Everything good and bad about your parents is in you. Good and bad. The good part, the bad part is in you. And you're crazy, not because you're crazy. You're crazy because you were programmed to be crazy. How many know we can be crazy? I said, how many know we can be crazy? I said, how many know we can be crazy? I said, one. I said, two. I said, three. I said, four. This brother right here. Okay? So whatever happened in the household, you're going to be programmed with. Now, we'll do this last one and then we... Jesus. Y'all can see why we have to stay because... So many people are telling us in town, out of town, this church, other churches. I have never heard this before. Never heard this before. Never. Okay. And and, and you know why you never heard it before? It's extremely hard for most leaders to be humble. They need to keep up an image because the more in order for us to help you, we have to be transparent. You know what the scripture says about leaders? It says, be examples to the flock. 
It didn't say be lords over the flock, be examples. How are we going to be examples if we're not practicing this ourselves? How are we going to be an example to y'all if we're not sharing with you about our own personal failures and how we overcame them? And it's not about us sharing all of our triumphs and say, hey, look at us, look at us, look at us, look at us, look at us. Yeah, no, that that's pride. We are not the example. The scripture says to be an example, to share the good things, the bad things, where we messed up and some things that we may have done right. Oh, no, I just got to. I, I, everybody say program. I mean, we just got to keep fishing around because I, I know I'm, we're digging around in your emotions so you can start realizing some things about yourself. Um, I have never had a problem submitting to a woman. Just haven't. You want to know the main reason why? Not because I'm a super multi-purpose, all-around cool dude and, and all that, even though I'm that too. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what my wife is saying behind my back. I know it ain't good. It was a joke, folk. They're like, does he really believe that? But, but I grew up listening to my mom go to my dad and say, I think we should do this. And he would listen to what she said. Sometimes he would say, okay. Sometimes he would say, no, we're going to do this. But I grew up seeing a man submit to a woman. He was still the head of the household. It didn't take from his manhood. But I saw him listen to my mom when it came to certain things, okay? So, so when I get married, it was very much easy for me, not only just marriage, but it was easy for me to submit to women because I didn't grow up hearing a man say, you know, pulling the son to the side, you know, be careful about these women or, you know, you go to the barber shop, you hear all type of stuff. You know, you go to the beauty salon, you hear all type of stuff too. But I didn't hear that. So, so there are things about all of you and all of us that are easy to do that are wrong because it's programmed in you and hard to do that are right because you never saw it. The wonderful thing about being in Christ is that's the reason why they give us so many helpers. The word of God is designed to build you up. The Bible says that it is implanted with power to change. This is the reason why, let me tell you this, and I'm going to start keep hammering this from now on. If you don't have a daily amount of time reading the Bible, eating it, and prayer time, you are a failure, period. I don't care if you're a billionaire, you're still a failure because life is not based on 60, 70, 80 years, it's based on eternity. You not reading the Bible and you not spending time in prayer is the exact equivalent of you not eating food and not drinking water. It is the exact equivalent, exact. It's just worse because this physical body exists because of the spirit man on the inside. Take the spirit man out, this thing drops right on the floor. It is the spirit that controls the physical. And this Bible is not physical, it is spiritual. Okay? So, let's jump down to the second scenario. So a man is going to be attracted to someone similar to his mom. He's going to treat his wife similar to how his father treated mom. This is how domestic violence is perpetrated. Okay? Generally, you won't see a man operate in domestic violence unless it was in his family. This is what we call generational curses. It's not so much even generational curses, it's more like generational emotions. Even when the doctors tell you, this is a lie, this is a lie right here. When the doctors tell you, they, they got these, all of these interviews now when you go to the doctor, okay? Did your mama have cancer? Did your dad have cancer? Did your granddad have cancer? You know, they wanna say everything is hereditary. No, it's not. 
It's not hereditary. You know what's hereditary? Habits. You eat too much fried chicken because your mama cooked fried chicken because her grandmama cooked fried chicken. You eat general until you get more knowledge. We're not talking about reprogramming yet. Until you get more knowledge, guess what? Right now, you're cooking the same way your mama told you to cook. Some folks still trying to find Crisco at the, at the supermarket. I'm serious. You're going you're gonna to cook the way that your mama told you to cook. And you're going to do things the way that your parents told you to do. You know, guess what? I heard my father say, we, my sister and I, we sit at the dinner table. Guess what we saw our father do on a regular basis? It don't matter how much salt was on it. Hand me the salt shaker. Didn't matter what the doctor said. Didn't matter what we said. Didn't matter what other people Ain't nothing wrong with a little meat. Ain't nothing wrong with a little salt. I'm going to eat these ribs. I'm going to fry this bacon. So guess what? That's being programmed into me. So guess what I said for years? Ain't nothing wrong with this salt. Ain't nothing wrong with eating ribs every single day. I mean, she introduced me to this rib place, and I ate there, I think, three, four days in a row. How many know that's not right? It's not right. It was good. But it wasn't right. It was wonderful. <laughs> but it wasn't right. Okay. So, submission and rebellion with trigger, uh, trigger points. Um, so, let's do the second scenario. Proverbs 17, 6. And then we'll try to... I said we're going to have to do... We're going to have to do part two of part two. Yeah, part B, something. <laughs> Proverbs 17, 6. This is going to hurt. Grandchildren are the crown of old men, and the glory of sons is their fathers. I forgot to put up and give them the definition of that, so I'm going to read it. Now, notice it said, the glory of sons is their fathers. Now, let me say this. If your father was not there, and in a few cases, you also have mothers. Same effect, just different. Um, if the father was not there, and all of the things that we talk about, it handicaps us. All of us have a certain amount of handicaps. Some are greater than others, okay? But all handicaps can be overcome. One of the men that is doing, accomplishing more in the planet than other men, can't remember his name, his last name starts with a V, but he's a Christian man, and he has no legs and he has no arms. He has nothing but a torso. Nick, what's his last Nick Wojcik, look him up. He's inspiring millions because the man has no legs and he has no arms. This man rides a bicycle. You can say, ask how. You got to watch the videos. This man surfs. This man is married to a beautiful woman and has two children. He is an international speaker. He's on radio shows. You know why? He realized that his handicap was not something that would prevent him from being successful. That's even more important when it comes, these handicaps are what you call spiritual and emotional handicaps. The difference with spiritual and emotional handicaps, with physical handicaps, they retrofit things and they make special things for you, okay, um, in order to operate in this life. With spiritual handicaps and emotional handicaps, all you need is to get in the world and reprogram yourself. Find out, okay, because my father wasn't there, my mother wasn't there, because they were there and they weren't there. Because they were there and they had this particular pride. They did this. They did that. Mama beat me with a cord. I can't beat my kids with a cord. I can spank them, but I can't beat them with a cord. Okay? Back, how many of you know when we were kids, it was okay for your mama to hit you over the top of the head with a plate? That, that, was, that you know, was never okay. Mom, no, yes, it was. Back then, it was okay. It wasn't child abuse back then. Y'all know good and well. Y'all, see, I, see you're playing. Okay? You're not, some of you are not grew up that way. Look, I'm not going to tell you the biggest beating I ever got. I still remember that. I feel the pain of it right now. 
It was the first, it was the first and last time I cussed in school. That teacher came home and told my, I was standing, I was, I remember where I was, I was in the kitchen. And I remember them standing in the hallway and that man told my daddy that I had cussed. And the man was still talking to my father. And just like this, he began to look at me. I started to call the funeral home. Yeah, Swanson, I'm just letting you know that if I end up going missing, this is my address. I knew I was dead. I, I still remember that beating. I remember that beating. I'm not even going to tell you what type of beating that was. That was a real beating. It was a child. Today, that was literally would be considered child abuse beating. But I, one thing, guess what happened? I never cussed again in school. I ain't been cussing since. This is when I wasn't saved. I stopped cussing before I got saved. Because I tried it one time and that didn't work. I didn't need no Jesus power and nothing, no delivering power. I didn't need the word of God. I didn't need no prayer time, no angelic beings, no born again experience. All I needed was that beating. What was I saying? I forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah. So, so, so let me give you the definition of, so we were talking about handicaps. So handicaps can be overcome, but they're not going to be overcome with you being lazy. Okay, I'm just, we're going to mention it and teach it a little bit more later. But uh, when we close in a moment, we'll let you know how, how you overcome handicaps. Very powerful. But when it says that the glory of sons is their fathers, this is the definition of glory. It means that if the father is not in the home, th- let me put it this way. The definition of glory, and I took out some, is beauty, honor, bravery, rank boasting and excellence. So when the father is not in the home, you take away the child's beauty, you take away the child's honor. How many know the opposite of beauty, I'm gonna just use a more gross word, opposite of beauty is ugly. This is the reason why children generally who sometimes come from single parents households have sometimes, unless the single parent knows how to reprogram correctly, they have a a whole lot less self-esteem than children who come from two family households because you take away that issue. Um, honor, okay, what's the, the total opposite of honor? Is dishonor. That's why I told you about that experiment that Hallmark did. They went into the jail to let all of the men in jail write a Mother's Day card. They said the whole jail showed up. It was such a roaring success, they came back in for Father's Day. Not one dude showed up. Not one dude. It was just more proof that most of the men that are in jail, it's because of their daddy, not because they were born criminal. It's because their father was not there. The discipline, okay? Um, I remember, no, I don't want to share that. Um, bravery, okay? When the, when the father is not there, you make the child scared, okay? There's something about a father that makes a child feel more confident because they, they, they feel like daddy has their back at the game. Daddy has their back if they get bullied. Daddy has their back if something goes down, okay? I'm just telling you what some of us are programmed with. You take away the child's rank, and boasting. I'll give you an example of that. My daddy can beat your daddy. Mm-mm. My daddy a police officer. That's okay. My daddy used to, now you know the, the kids all just lying, just coming up with stuff. Well, my daddy fight mixed martial arts. Well, my daddy, he beat up Godzilla and King Kong. He can beat up your daddy. And they just going on and on. Why? They, 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 they boasting about the daddy. I remember, uh, what was that movie? It's a true story with Will Smith. Um, Pursuit of Happiness, that's when he was the investor. You know, that's a true story. When you interviewed the real kid that was under the daddy while they were homeless, they interviewed the kid on Homer or Oprah. He said, I never knew we were homeless. I never knew it was a problem. I just knew that I was with my daddy. 
Think about that. You homeless on the street, don't know where the next meal come from. You going through and the child think this is cool because he's with his daddy. Take away the child's ability to boast and you take away the child's excellence. So now watch this. If you grew up as a woman or a man, boy or girl, if you grew up in a household where the father was not there, he handicapped you with all of those things I just read. And you are programmed with the opposite of what I just read. And so now, if you are not careful, you are pre-programmed with failure, and that's why you fail. That's why outside of Jesus Christ, you will stay a failure, and you will always have problems because you have no assistance. You don't have the word. You don't have the ability to pray because you can't pray. You don't have the ability to hear the Holy Spirit put you in check and tell you to make this adjustment. Do this for your husband. Do this for your wife. You don't have any assistance. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is not somebody who makes you irk and jerk, fall out on the ground. It says he is a helper. He helps your handicaps become whole. Ah. So you're without help. I told you. I mean, I'll share this again because we always got new people. The biggest rebuke I ever got from the Holy Spirit was when I was all salty because of stuff that I thought she was doing or not doing. I don't even know what it was. Lord can rebuke you. You forget about everything. I will never forget as long as I live, as long as I live. It was such a rebuke. I didn't even share with her for two or three years. Sorry. I was messing with tissue. Y'all can't see that. I'm always messing with stuff. And uh, he said, the problems you think you're having out of your wife, he said, I'm having the same problems out of you. You correct the problems I'm having out of you as a man, you'll never have to speak to your wife. So, ladies and gentlemen, your spouse is oh. not your enemy. Oh, <laughs> just that. What was I about to say? So, he said... Correct the issue with your spouse, and you never have to say anything to your wife. And I begin to practice that. Do you know that 90% of the time, if I would hold back what I was getting ready to say, I know the brother's not appreciate me. Now, this is general. I mean, not always be sick. Some women just act a fool. Okay? I would, I would make a correct, because the Lord began to show me that what she was doing is what I was doing. And so I would correct the thing, and mysteriously, within two to three days, she would just either start making the adjustment, or she would say, oh, you know what, I need to go on top of such, such, such. And I was like, this is scary. Now you know, I would, now you know why I didn't want to tell her for two or three years, because I wanted her to say, well, I'm acting a fool because you acting a fool, because we won. That's her favorite thing. We won. So if you would get your stuff right, then I'll be right. I didn't want to hear that. Not, think, not saying she does that, but, you know, the Lord can rebuke you. When the Lord rebukes you as a man, you feel small, but you just grew taller. But because of how you feel, you're like, Lord, can I keep this a secret for a little while? No, go share it on Sunday morning with your whole congregation. So your spouse is not your enemy. You have a heavenly father who knows all, sees all, knows their struggles. I mean, there can be days I wake up and I'm feeling really heavy and I'm acting a particular way and he can say something the wrong way. And it's just not a good, it's just not good because he doesn't know the spiritual fight or battle I'm having that day and vice versa. So that your spouse is not your enemy, but there is a real enemy who seeks to conquer, to divide and conquer you and to ruin everything in your household, just stunt your, your forward advancement. So your spouse is not your enemy. It's important that you do go to the Father, just like he did. And you can't tell your spouse, well, when you get yourself together, I'll get myself together. That's not right. You are always supposed to be the bigger person and do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Not waiting for the other individual 
to get it right. I, I see his mouth is open. No, because I wanted to correct her or something. I didn't go to the father. He just came and, and, sh- and rebuked me without his permission. But you do have to have, a, yeah, well, you have to have a tender. I mean, how many of you know that when you believe, how many, key word is believe, how many know when you believe your spouse is acting up? The last thing you do is go to God to say, Lord, my wife is acting a fool, but show me me. You don't do that. You go to God and say, Lord, you need to do something about this woman. If she ain't doing the right thing, and she's not doing this, and then she's not doing that, and she's not. Now, mind you, we're not praying for our spouse ever. Right. We don't never pray for our spouse, hardly ever. Mm-hmm. And then when we do go into prayer, it's so that the Lord can rebuke him. Right. Okay. So, but because of my time in prayer, I guess the Lord considered, you know, I, I think it was one of those things where if you don't want to hear what the Lord has to say, he won't say it. And I got to a point where, you know, because of me studying humility, I was willing, I, I got to the point where I realized God is perfect. I'm not. He's right. I'm always wrong. Even if I don't understand it, it's something behind this that I can't see. I started to get to the point where, Lord, okay, whatever you have to tell me, tell me. So he hit me with that one. Another one he hit me with had to do with the kids. Um, that I, the one he shared with me about the kids was harder than the one with the wife. I'm not even ready to share that one publicly. That was years ago. I've been straight. I've been, I've been walking right ever since. <laughs> it's just little stuff. But, but it's, like my wife said in the beginning, it's the little small foxes. It's the little small things. And the little small things, if your cell phone goes out right now, it's not the whole phone. It's a small thing. You go out to your car and try and start it and it won't start. It's not the whole engine. It's a little small thing. So the very reason why our relationships are not working is not big stuff. Small things. It's always small things. All right. Psalm 2710. Just so you can show that you are not without hope. My, ma- my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Say, so you are not without help because your father was not there. And watch this. Your father was not there because of his past programming that you can't see. I'm a product of a woman whose father abandoned her and whose mother rejected her as a child. But instead of her doing the same thing, she clung to her children. I mean, she just, I mean, any stray kid, any kid who didn't smoke, they had a household, you can come to my house. Single mom, bartender, working nights, not having a lot, but whatever she had, she was willing to share. But even in that environment, I I was watching Happy Days and, and Brady Bunch, and I wanted a family. I wanted a dad and a mom and kids, and I wanted dinner at 5 o'clock, and I wanted dessert, and I wanted, you know, nighttime prayers. And this, Those are things that I wanted as a child, and I didn't have it, so I locked on to the family down the street. Mrs. Davis and her family, they would invite me over for dinner, and we would play Barbie dolls and have dinner, and, you know, by 5.30, the, you know, the kitchen was clean, dishes were put away, we were having dessert, we would go on vacation together, and so she would go on field trips. She would bake cookies. She would make cupcakes. And, and I thought to myself, well, that's the kind of mom I want to be when I grow up. I love my mom, and she's doing the best she can. But as a child, that's what I saw, and that's what I wanted. So I wanted to be married. I wanted, I wanted to learn how to cook. I wanted to cook well. The women in my family don't cook. Box, can, whatever. They don't cook. I wanted to learn how to cook from scratch. I don't know who's going to teach me, but somebody, and I had women along the way. I mean, women along the way. I mean, even the ultimate was my mother-in-law. I was like, this is the bomb right here. She is the best. I mean, was willing to walk me through things, but even before I got to that point, along the way, the desires of my heart being manifested through this woman, that woman, this woman, that woman, 
Even now, even now, mom is gone, mother-in-law is gone. But the Lord still places different women in my life at different times to help me along with things that I struggle with. Like, Lord, I know I need help. I don't know. I mean, I can go to Google. I can research. But I would like to have a physical person in my life to help walk me through this process, to help me because of this past programming. And that's one of the ways that he takes you up. He said, if your father and mother reject you, the Lord will take you up. And one of the ways, one of the ways that he does it uh, will be he will, if you have a heart to have someone in your life to teach you this stuff, he will bring someone into your life. It might be someone older and it might be someone younger, but he will, because like, you know, we are in our 40s, but we, we are, I'm mentoring men that some of them are almost twice my age. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but just my, my past programming gives me wisdom past my age. And so, but if you desire that, it, it, could, it'll be, it can be a mother. We actually have a team of, of, of ladies here that they are for the purpose of bringing up the younger women to give them the stuff that they did not learn. I mean, my wife, I can't tell you how many times my wife is on the phone, you know, during the day, all day, just pouring into women, pouring into women. And it's really telling them the same thing, telling them the same stuff, telling them the same stuff that they never learned from their mom because she didn't know it, never learned it from their home environment. We had to learn. I had to still learn things even though I came from a great environment. And she had to really, really learn things, okay, because of the environment that she came from. So, but the Lord will take you up through Google, through information, through teachings, through books. But how many of you know, especially for women, y'all love that one-on-one personal time. And the Lord will bring someone into your life, but you have to let them in. And most cases, he will do it at the right church, not any church. Everybody say right church. At the right church you are supposed to be at, there will be people, leadership, sisters, brothers who will all fill that void that you missed out on. And let me say this. You can end up being higher and on another level than even someone who had both at home. Esther 2, 5 through 7. Esther 2. I encourage you all to read the book of Esther because she became a queen. But let's, let's see how she started. Now, there was at the citadel in Susa a Jew named Mordecai the son of Yair, the son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who had been exiled with Jeconia, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had exiled. Y'all know we have no idea what that means. <laughs> this scripture is hilarious. That's how they talked back then. Opha, son of Opha, <laughs> son of Opha, because, you know, I'm the third. <laughs> They'd have to say it that way. It says he was bringing up Hadassah, which is actually the name of Esther. Hadassah, his uncle's daughter, for she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful of form and face. Today we would say she was pretty and she had a bad body. When her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. I just brought up that. I encourage you to read the story later. But the point that I wanted to make is you have all of these scriptures in the Bible where God knows we are handicapped. But he shows us that I, if you let me, can cause you to rise as though you never had a handicap. This woman lost her daddy and her mother and was raised by her uncle and ended up becoming the queen of the country, married to the king. And then she ended up saving the entire nation. Okay, so. So we share these things to show you that, yes, we are all handicapped. It just doesn't prevent us from being successful. Doesn't matter what your handicap is. You can come from the most violent past you have ever seen and still rise to the occasion. I came from squeaky clean. She didn't. 
But when people first meet us, they think I'm the one who grew up crazy and she came from squeaky clean. If you had seen her mother, I'm telling you, I still can't see her mother doing the things that they said. Okay, I can see her father because he was still a gangster for Jesus a little bit. Okay, but but I can't because when the Lord really really cleans you up, you can't tell. He'll get rid of those handicaps. It doesn't matter. I've seen y'all. I've seen couples who did everything right according to the Book of Scripture, and a year later they were divorced. And I've seen people who came from all different type of violence, gave their life to Christ, and then gave him all. And the Lord redeemed them, recovered them, and blessed them to the point where nothing about their past could be even traced to them by looking at them. That's about the goodness. And that's, where, that's how God gets glory. That's why Paul said, Paul said, you never notice that the individuals that God used are not always the educated and the bright and always the good looking and all this type of stuff. He said it's the ones who've been through stuff. Even God said himself, he said it's the ones who have been forgiven of the most sins that love me the most. All right. Last one and then we're done. Mark 8.35. Whew. We're going to try to do this short, but this is real life stuff right here. We haven't even dug deep, y'all. By the time we start getting over into past programming when it comes to sex, past programming when it comes to religion. Mark 8.35. Because this is the only way for you to move forward. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Now, many of us have heard that scripture, read that scripture. Wonderful. Had no idea what it means. Okay, I'll say it again. If you want to save your life, you got to lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I wrote down a couple of things here because winning when it become when it comes to you being being transformed into the king or the queen that you were born to be in order for you to accomplish it. Winning is going to seem like losing and losing is going to seem like winning. Okay, I gave you the example earlier, you know, about, see, depending on, depending on your background, you'll start dating a guy, and in your mind, in order to win this guy, you got to make sure that you give in to stuff that you don't really want to do. I got to keep this guy, because, you know, and that's fear. Past programming says, if I do get a date, I got to do whatever is necessary to hang on to him. No, that's how you lose. But when you do that, it makes you feel like you're winning. But if you hold true to your character, I know it's ghetto. It's not even ghetto. Keep your legs closed and say, boom. Next time I have sex, it'll be when I get married. But then the compromise will start. After we've been dating for a while, we've been dating for a while now, you know, okay, wonderful. That means we've been dating for a while. That doesn't mean we're married. And, 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 and the wrong type of dude sometimes, he'll keep working on you, 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 working on you. And the more you don't give in, it's going to feel like you are losing when actually you are winning. Because let me tell you something about men. <clears throat> men are physical. They are not, they're emotional, but they're physical first. The quickest way to determine if this man is your husband, is by treating him like he is not. Which means, don't give him anything. Y'all go on a wonderful date, it's been six months. Mwah. That makes me feel like I'm losing. He might leave. Let him leave then. That means you got a bum. That means you got someone that's only with you for the purpose of sex, nothing else. Real love is, you stick around when there is no sex. 
Real love is you stick around when you don't seem to be getting any sex the way you really want it. Real love is something happens to you and you can't have sex. But now you with someone that was only with you for your body and told you what he knew you wanted to hear so that he could get with your body. And as long as you give him your body, which is your lowest asset, as long as you give him your body, he'll stick around. Stop giving that dude your body and see how long he sticks around. And it'll tell you what type of man you're dealing with. Now, there are some Christian men who they're weak in that area. And then if you hold true, then they'll say, okay, you're right, right. I got to do the right thing. Okay. But, 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 but some guys, they're just going to work you down, work you down, work you down. And it's, you blow your mind. How many women tell me, well, I know I'm a Christian, but when he started asking for sex, I thought it was something I was supposed to do. Yeah, you thought it was something you were supposed to do because you're past programming and watching stupid reality TV, okay? And you thought you were winning, but you were losing. When you do it God's way, you cannot lose. You might lose out for a moment, but you will not lose. And that's the most frustrating thing to me is trying to get women to treat themselves like queen, queens and say, look, to the degree that you respect yourself, will be to the degree that you will draw that type of respect out of a man. And if the one you are with is not on that level of respect, he will soon disappear and be replaced with one who is at that level. But you are afraid to lose out, thinking that losing out is losing. No, losing out is I lost out on failure. Goodbye, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. When he leaves, then the replacement shows up. But see, a lot of women, they attach themselves to a man, and they know that this man is not good. You have settled for trash. You settled for a bum. You settled for somebody that if you got sick, they would just tell you, do what the doctor said, because they don't even know how to pray. Let alone raise you up from the dead if the thing went dead. Boom! He's sitting there crying. Well, he got another woman on the phone that he calling. My wife, my girl is dead. Uh, Can I see you tonight? Don't know what to do if you get in a financial situation. We'll break under spiritual warfare because doesn't even believe it exists. You'd rather be with a dude like that and then thinking that you're winning because winning always, losing always seems like you are winning for the moment. You're not with somebody for a moment. You're with them for a lifetime. Okay? And what will happen is you think you're winning now, but you're going to lose. I'm talking to somebody. It could be somebody here. Somebody going to listen to this. You think, you, you think you're winning now. I'm telling you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. Okay? God is interested in giving you someone for longevity. God is interested in giving you someone that when you get hit with something in 10 years, that man was pre-programmed by God to be exactly what you need when it goes down in 10 years. The one you with now is programmed to leave you when it hits. Weak men can't deal with weakness. Whew. I don't forgot where I was. I still got so caught up in, you know. Oh, man, that was good. I felt like I was. I'm sorry. I really did get lost for a second. When you, I mean, I felt like I was talking to one particular female. I don't know if it's in here or if it's gone, but I just got. I mean, I felt the fear in the woman that because of the past program, and you've, you, you, you know, there's just too many women that think. I got to hang on to this bomb because he's the only one that exists. And you keep drawing bombs into your life because, ha, ah, you a bomb. You always draw what you are. That's why if you get in the word, I, 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 I teach single women, okay? Don't even, 
you, I got a couple right now that's in the season. Don't even date. Okay? I don't care if Jesus show up. Tell them I ain't available. I'm not dating right now. Because that's a sign of faith that, Lord, I'm showing you that I'm serious. I'm going to take this time to get myself together. And if the right man does approach me, I'm still telling him no. Because if he's the right man, he'll come back around. She told me no the first time. And after I told him no, I said, well, Lord, when will I know when it's the right one? I told him no. I told that one no. Told when will I know? I don't want to keep saying no. And I, missed the right, I don't want to miss the right one. Well, he came back around. And I said yes the second time. But, 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 you, but you, you can't be scared. Because, but once again, if you, see, it, if you don't have a real relationship with God, then you don't get the experience to know that he has your back, period. And that he wants the best for you, not something lackluster, not something lower. He wants a 10. And sometimes he knows that you are level two. And he will not allow your level two to come into a man's life who's a level 10 and you break him. And you destroy him. And you break him down and you ruin his life. He won't allow it. It's not right. So therefore, you stay right here until he can develop you a little bit. Not perfect. That's about perfection. Just develop you, help you work on some things, and then he can bring somebody along because now you won't destroy him or her. So past programming from childhood coupled with real life experiences have created an atmosphere of insecurity, fear, and walls. And you know what the past? Now, I'm not going to get into trauma and tragedy, but all of these, particularly trauma and tragedy and bad experiences, can cause a form of amnesia. You'll lock those things away, but then they show right back up once you get in a relationship. Okay? So last thing. The only way for you to win is to reprogram yourself with God's way of doing things. But at first, doing it God's way will seem like you are losing. For example, in order to receive more money, you have to give it. In order to go higher, you have to go lower. In order to live, you got to die first. You must forgive in spite of the other person in order to be forgiven. In marriage, you must focus on what to give the other person, not what to get. Okay? But watch this. If you're in a marriage and you're giving something and it seems like you're not getting in return, guess what it feels like? You're losing. So you stop doing that because your feelings won't let you do something that makes you feel like you're losing. So you must understand this as a principle, not as a feeling. And most people understand things based on feeling and not based on principles. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a more of a cardinal example. How many of you know that you, you take, I'll give you $500. Typically, when you give somebody $500, the first thing they're thinking of, I'm going shopping. You ain't thinking about no bills, nothing. I'm going shopping. Because at that moment, going shopping makes you feel like you're winning. Okay? But to take that $500 and you need another pair of shoes, another dress, and you put it in savings, it makes you feel like you could be losing because all your girlfriends are going shopping. You got to stay at home. See, it's you doing the opposite of what culture does that causes you to rise above culture. Because culture is already a failure. They pretend. Okay? Let me add this last thing. This goes so many different ways. Hey. I, uh, um, you know, <laughs> trip the Lord, stuff the Lord shares with me. Because I told you about the. The, when dating, the quickest and cheapest way to win is no sex. But one of the things that I've heard people say over the years is, well, what if they're not sexually compatible? How many of you have heard that before? Okay. I'm going to give you something to arrest your attention. There is no such thing as being sexually compatible with a person. There's no such thing. That's dumb stuff people come up with so that they can sleep around. No such thing as being sexually compatible. You know why? 
That's why the scripture says to be spiritually compatible. Because spiritual compatibility produces emotional compatibility. And the physical is the lowest level. So if there is spiritual compatibility and emotional compatibility, the sex will just be automatic. Because sex is always the same. I'm not trying to go too gross. Uh, not gross. No, it's not gross. It's not gross. Definitely not gross. I'm not trying to get too explicit with you, but the act of sex is just pretty much putting the same extension cord into the socket. Y'all know what I'm saying. But let me let me add this, Otha. Hold on. Okay, let me add her. Like her go ahead. First. Go ahead. No, no, no. All that stuff can be... Look, sex is one of the easiest things to learn. It's easy, one of the easiest things to learn. Now, some people don't want to learn it, but it's one of the easiest things to learn. That's the lowest level. You go up into emotions and spiritual, those are the harder things. Okay? And so there's no such thing as, well, I need to test out the waters and they come up with stupid stuff. Do you buy a car without driving it first? Do you buy some okay. shoes without trying them on first? Do you buy some shoes without trying them on? Okay? Okay? This ain't no car. This is a relationship. I know y'all like the song, You Remind Me of My Jeep. I don't even remember that song from R. Kelly. The dumbest song I ever heard in my life. What do you mean I remind you of, my, of your Jeep? It's in a pair of shoes. This is an emotional creature. A human creature with a spirit and emotions is, cannot be compared to a car or a pair of shoes. Well, let me add this, Otha. It's a different, just a different point of view She's on this. She's going to bring a different point of view. Sex is not automatic. If you're spiritually compatible and emotionally compatible, that's your start. Because you have to learn each other. You have to know what you like. You have to share that with your husband and let him know this is what I like. He has to know what he likes and be able to share that with you and say this is what I like and this is how I like it. So it's not really automatic. You get a jump start because you're spiritually and emotionally compatible. The sex part, you have to learn each other. You have to experiment a little bit, say, I don't like this, I do like this, I do like this, I don't like that. And you have to be open with each other, and you can't get your feelings on your shoulders. You can't get your feelings out there and say, this is just not right. You, know, you have to be able to talk to each other, communicate with each other, and say, you know what, I really don't really care for that, but this is great. And so you have to be able to communicate and listen to one another and be open to each other because you do want this to be a wonderful experience. This is supposed to be a lifetime. So you have to communicate and be open, and it's not so much, okay, we're going to just do it, and it's going to work. It's going to be automatic. It just works. No, it doesn't quite work like that. Yeah, I mean, once again, you can see this is communication. It's communication and submission, be willing to make adjustments, all those different type of things. And this is very important because, you know, I'm trying to close this down, but, you know, i got to be sensitive to not letting time dominate what goes out because people need this. But... You know, I was talking with someone here recently, and I've been having several conversations with single men. And, and the single men that are Christians are getting extremely frustrated because I just had another conversation with a guy this week. He said, he said, single men are unwilling to get married because they feel like they will lose. And the reason why they feel like they will lose is because they listen to what the married men say about how their wives won't make adjustments. They listen to the married men say how when you get married, sex stops. They listen to the married men say how when I was dating her, she was foxy mama, hot to trot, made adjustments, but when I married her, all of that stopped. So the single men are frustrated because they're reading the word that says marriage is a good thing, but they're listening to all of the Christian, Christian 
married men say it's not a good thing. And you have single men who love God and want to be married, but having a huge problem. I mean, I just had a you know gentleman uh, a couple weeks ago. He said, how can I be excited about doing something when there are no Christian men that I know that are happy about what I'm getting ready to do? Okay? And see, this is what I mean by life is not about you, you all. You know, do you realize how many people, and granted, we don't, I mean, we have a super great relationship, but, you know, I mean, we're not super perfect, but, but do you realize how many people have come to us and say, I believe marriage can work because you're the first married couple that I see that's married and married successfully. And so, so men, when you refuse to do whatever is necessary to be the king and make that woman happy and make adjustments to the, per, per, to the point of self-sacrifice, then you're hurting other people that want to be married. Women, when you give your man a hard time when it comes to the things that he needs and you won't make adjustments, okay, it's not, you are not only affecting yourself because when you give, you receive. It's better to give than to receive. There's certain things that you receive personally from God when you give to your husband. Not only are you hurting yourself, you're hurting God, you're hurting your husband, and you're hurting other single people who will be looking at your relationship to determine if they should go down the same road as you. So now what you have is you have a whole bunch of people who say it is very better to just live with an individual until I get, get on my nerves and look for somebody else. So until we become the standard, and you can't become the standard by trying to be super squeaky clean. I don't listen. To, I've heard a couple of men say this over the years, over the last 30 years. Me and my wife never get into it. Well, you just let me know that I don't need to listen to a doggone thing you got to say about anything, let alone that. Stop being deep. You just sitting in the pulpit lying. That's a lie before God. Mm. Hey, you're just lying. Either that or you're telling me that you're not a Christian. Because I mean, no, when you become a Christian, that's when the war starts. And the more clean you become, the more they try to make you dirty. First Corinthians 732. I think this is the last one. Yeah, we'll do this last one. Just put this in your mind. I want you to be, 1 Corinthians 7, 32, 34. I want you to be free from concern. Oh, I just realized something. I'll let them know when it's over so that you got to go. I want you to be free from concern. One who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. One who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife, and his interests are divided. The woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. One who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So there's a direct correlation here as I close. And that is, if you can't get it together with Jesus, you'll never be able to get it together with another person. A person that is single is concerned about how they may please the Lord. In order for you to please the Lord, how many of you know you're going to have to keep on making a whole bunch of adjustments? I need you to forgive. You've gotten disobedient over here. I need you to adjust that. I know that he did you wrong, but you go apologize and bless him financially. I need you to stop showing up late. I need you to pray. I need you to spend time with me. I need you to go and give your next door neighbor $300. And I'm not going to tell you why. You'll find out why when you give him the $300. We spend a lifetime doing stuff that we are programmed to not want to do, but we see the benefit after we do it. That's the revelation single. comes after, after your you do obedience. It. Revelation comes after the obedience. So now, okay, 
You're programmed to do that with the Lord. So now when you get married, you know how to make adjustments with God. Boom. There's a saying that we've had in the church for years. If they won't do it for God, they sure enough won't do it for you. Very important, ladies. If you're dating a man, whatever he is unwilling to do for God, he will be unwilling to do for you. Men, well, you, same thing for women. Same thing for women. But, but women are more in a more detrimental position. Well, you know, I can worship God at home. That's called compromise. So because he compromised on the most important one, he's shown up going to compromise on you. Okay? You got to be careful with that. But, but that's where it starts. We didn't finish. <sighs> yeah, thank you. It's part three of part two. So this is getting more intricate and detailed. All of this that we shared had, we thought this was going to be a half an hour message. But, but this is very, very important because there is a way for you to recover everything. But you got to dedicate, dedicate yourself to it. You got to dedicate yourself to it. And the first rule of thumb is, Lord, show me my past programming. I'm predisposed to certain things. And that's why the reprogramming process is, ladies, getting in the word like my wife did. What does the Bible say about a wife and a godly wife? What does, now this might take a few months. Well, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not an overnight thing at all. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about being a good mother? What does the Bible say about what a good man is? Then when you read it, how many know when you read it, you just got the information. Now you got to start applying this to get rid of the negative feelings that come with doing something that you were never trained to do. I got to know what it feels like where I did this for this man and he didn't respond correctly. Same way God did stuff for you and you didn't respond correctly. We always want to give people less patience than God gives us. You got to be very careful of that. You go, there's a lady that we just finished reading this book by, the last book we just read on dreams. This lady, how long did it take that? That woman read the entire Bible in how many? Five days. Read the entire Bible. I saw Bible up here, lied to days. the brothers and told them three weeks. Mm-hmm. The woman five read days. the entire Bible in five days. She had five children. Five children. She was pregnant. Pregnant. Set up a schedule for her to do it. Even got somebody to watch her kid. All that. Read the Bible in five days. We ain't read the Bible in five years. She read the Bible in five days just to get one question answered. One question. And that was, is God ever silent to his people? Because she heard Christians and preachers talking about God is silent. God is silent. God is silent. She said, I'm going to read. She scheduled it out. I think it was eight or nine hours a day. She scheduled out. She read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation in five days to see if that question could be answered. When she was done five days later, she said, God is never silent. We do stupid stuff that puts up a wall and we can't hear. How many of you know that's discipline, dedication, but there's blessing on the other side of this. And now this woman, the Lord, staying at home and not a woman that wrote a book, everybody behind it. Blessing, blessing. There's always blessing behind your discipline. And there's always losing behind your laziness. All right, you got anything else you want to add? You said we didn't add it enough. Jesus. So, we were going to try to let y'all out early, but how many of you know this was necessary? And we, so we're just going to keep digging around this thing, digging around this thing. But realize this, you are handicapped, but all handicaps can be overcome through Jesus Christ. But you got to be connected to him. You got to find the church that you're supposed to be at so you can be connected. Get out of these raggedy churches where they hoop and holler every Sunday and you don't know nothing about the Bible more today than you did 10 years ago. Holler and scream. And I can go to the circus and see somebody hollering and screaming. I can go to a Beyonce concert and see that. No, I don't go to the Beyonce concert. Okay, I'm just giving the point of all that hollering and screaming is not doing anything. Because when I can't figure out why, I'm just using her as an example, when I can't figure out why my wife won't do right, 
Uh, me doing this uh, at the house uh, ain't gonna do nothing. Uh, but just exercise my vocal cords. Uh. I need to know why is she not acting right? Because of you. All right, let's go ahead and stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God, hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Go ahead and lift your hands for a moment and close your eyes. Just begin to worship the Lord for a moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Go ahead and open up your mouth. Give God thanks and praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, O Lord God. Father, I pray for your people, every single person that is here, every single person that will listen to this by media page, O Father God. We have all been handicapped, O Lord God, because of what Adam did. Andy, uh, Adam was the one who started the handicap process, the things of God and your principles and the love of God and peace and joy and prosperity and healing. And assurance was lost through his mistake, O Father God, yet you redeemed him and you sent your son to redeem us. You said that my people are destroyed because of what they do not know, Hosea 4, 6. So we thank you, O Lord God, that these teachings are getting rid of destruction. We thank you, Lord God, that every week will be better than the next. We thank you, Lord God, because we are willing to hear what we must do. We thank you, Lord God, that you are passing out revelation. You are passing out information, O Father God, in order for us to accomplish, O Father God, what you have called us to be. You said, O Lord God, that the world would know us by our love, O Father God. And right now, they know us by our divorces. They know us by our failures. They know us by our sorrow and our poverty, O Lord God. But we thank you, at least with this group, O Father God, that everything that we do is for the purpose of us being signs and wonders to this planet. We thank you that our relationships will be stronger. Our relationships will be greater. We thank you, O Lord God, that the marriages that come out of this place, O Lord God, will cause other people to covet and envy marriage. We thank you, Lord God, that they'll even turn lesbians and homosexuals back to the straight way when they see authentic love. For many of them have turned to perversion because the marriages that they saw were failures. They never saw love. And so we thank you, O Lord God, that the spirit of love and truth is being implanted into our relationships. Thank you, Lord God, that every wrong will be made right. Every handicap will be healed. We thank you that in spite of those, O Father God, that realize that they have messed up relationships, that you will give them another chance. We thank you that in spite of those that have gotten a divorce or even multiple divorces, we thank you that there is another person that you have groomed for them. Thank you, Lord God, that you will set us on the right path. Every person that is here, I declare, Lord God, that they will set themselves on the right path by the Holy Spirit and angelic assistance because you said that the path of a righteous man is as the shining light that grows brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So we declare over ourselves on today, O oh Father, that you are setting us on the right path. We declare that our lives are becoming brighter and brighter and brighter. And we thank you, O oh Lord God, that as we strive for, perfect, for perfection, we thank you, Lord God, that we will miss and we will hit the mark, oh Father God. We will miss imperfection and we will hit perfection. So we thank you, Lord God, that we will hit the bullseye in this place. Every desire will be granted. Thank you, Lord God, that everything that is negative will be broken. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, O Lord God. Blessed be your holy name. Go ahead and receive that for yourself right now. In spite of your brokenness, in spite of your handicaps, realize that in spite of your mistakes, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that God would dismiss you because of multiple mistakes. Oh, we thank you, O Lord God. We thank you that God, you are the God of the 10th chance and the 20th chance and the 30th chance. We thank you, O Lord God, that our past failures do not define us. But show us, O Lord God, what, must, what we must stay from, stay away from. So we thank you, O Father God, for it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God. Blessed be your holy name, O God. Thank you, O Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So for those of you who may have been raised in a wonderful environment and just giving great privileges and had a wonderful life, praise God for that. Appreciate that. But don't allow that to cause you to criticize and judge others who were less fortunate. Appreciate where you came from, but you can't take credit for it. You can't criticize those who did not come from the same background as you. And for those of you who didn't have two parents, didn't have one parent, don't continue to carry the blame for how you were raised and your background, or carry the hurt or the pain because you can be just success, just as successful, if not more, if you will apply the same principles. It is the word of God, and it works in every situation, every dynamic, every uprooting, all hurts, all pain. So don't look at the background and say, hey, I'm a failure, and I cannot succeed because you can you can be all that the word said you can be and so, so much more than anybody ever thought you would be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And remember this. I, when she was saying it, I just heard this word unworthy. Your past mistakes, y'all, and your past failures do not make you unworthy to receive the best that God had for you in the original before you stepped out and even set on the first date. One thing that I am so grateful for Mistakes do not make you unworthy Men will treat you unworthy because of mistakes Mistakes, past failures Not being raised right Not having parents You having multiple children out of wedlock You being divorced 50 times None of those things make you unworthy To receive God's best Nobody tells you that You don't find it in a word You'll say, well I'm unworthy Because of what I did Y'all, the Bible says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. In other words, if I did everything right for the last 10 years and you messed it up for the last 10 years, God still puts us in the same category. <laughs> so that there will be no pride and those who are lower can lift up their heads and come up higher. That's what's all, because that's the, whole, I'm sorry. the whole thing only exists because of Jesus Christ. That's what's so awesome about the word. The word is an equalizer. It puts you on the same playing field. It didn't matter where he came from or how he was raised, where I came from, how I was raised. The word made the difference. Equal playing field. Amen. Go ahead and bow your heads. If you're here, you're not saved. You're going to rededicate your life to the Lord.